0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are here with Bob Silverman, who is with Runfell Visitario, Leibowitz, Silverman, and Klestad, if I said that all correctly large law firm that specializes and we're going to have Bob explain what he specializes in and then Lou's got a million questions for him Bob, welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio Yeah, thanks for having me
1: on, Tim Uh, Our our law firm uh, limits its practice to customs and trade law, so our clients are all importers and exporters and most of our work is done in the United States, but we also do work with clients to solve customs and trade problems in other countries as well
2: uh, Bob, uh, Lou here um, Hello. You, and I, you and I have had some conversations And uh, uh, we talked a bit about the uh, steel uh, tariff That uh, uh, Washington has imposed on its people uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, From your perception and your legal position What the steel tariff is, does And what they hope to gain and then we'll get into a couple of other aspects of it.
1: Sure. Um, well, what, what? let me tell you what the, I guess, the official position is, whether or not it's going to accomplish what they set out to do. That's always questionable. But um, under Section 232 of the Trade Expansion Act of 1962, uh, the president can impose additional duties on products, if he finds that, there has been a danger to our national security interests. Uh, The Department of Commerce did a study, and they found that the uh, volume of steel and aluminum imports had increased dramatically. As a result, there were job losses in the United States, factories were closed, and so on, which resulted, they believed, in a national security risk. So then the president issued a presidential proclamation, which said that uh, on or after March 23 of this year, um, uh, additional duties would be imposed 25% on steel and 10% on aluminum on specific products that were imported into the United States. And uh, it wasn't for all countries because there's a temporary exclusion on products from Canada, Mexico, Australia, Argentina, South Korea, Brazil, and members of the European Union, for those steel products. So, it's important to understand that it's not all steel products and not all countries. And uh, uh, it, it, seems, yeah, ahead, it seems as though
2: it seems as though uh, from the original proclamation. And then the exclusion of the uh, certain countries—it seems as though he's excluded almost every country except for China. Is that basically true?
1: He's excluded many of our major steel trading partners. That—that's correct. <clears throat> and so right. some some, uh, some importer uh, went to the Court of International Trade and said, "How could this be a program that protects us for national security?" Where well, you have all of these exclusions. And the Court of International Trade, in a decision, said it's just temporary, you know, the case will go on, said the law is very, gives a lot of flexibility to the president. And at this point, we don't want to stop it. So it will go forward. But you're right, it's questionable mm. as to what kind of impact this is going to have on national security.
2: There are other issues that uh, it's brought to the forefront, and uh, it may even be more uh, traumatic than a steel tariff, which, if I'm not mistaken, usually don't work. Uh, But I'll get your thought on that in a moment or so. Uh, One of the things that's occurred as a result of uh, uh, the duty on foreign countries and companies uh, is that the U.S. steel industry has seen this as a – Golden opportunity to raise their prices, and they've been doing yes. it now almost every week for the last
1: three weeks. It's that—that's—that's that's what we've heard uh, in the industry. It's not uncommon. It's—it's it's also the same type of result that happens after a large anti-dumping duty or countervailing duty is put on imported products. Domestic manufacturers right. tend to raise their prices because. Now they have a bit of an advantage that they can move their prices into without worrying about foreign competition. So it makes it harder right. for American manufacturers to use these products.
2: This also means that the end user, not, certainly not the manufacturer, you know they'll they'll take the hit first go around, but then they start selling product. Uh, it's going to be the end user, whether it's a consumer or, or another co- company. Uh, they're the ones who's going to be paying paying the piper.
1: Uh, uh, that's true. What these what these uh, duties will do? If a twenty five percent duty is really something that most uh, companies cannot absorb and stay in the U.S. market, so they'll look for other Correct. markets. And the United States will, or people from other, uh, you know, if you're if you're bringing in steel from Canada. <clears throat> you have the same advantage as an American manufacturer. You can raise your prices up because they've knocked out China or some other major competitor, and that's how these things tend to go. I, I guess the theory is, or the hope is, that now that these, some competitors are knocked out of the market, people will invest more money in the U.S. manufacturing base and uh, there'll be more jobs and so on, but I don't know statistically if that's ever proven to be true. Uh,
2: from my understanding of being in the metals industry and in manufacturing for 50 years, the only thing true is your statement that it's not true. It's never served a positive purpose, and uh, it's, un- it's unfortunate because it's going it could go as far as to cause uh, inflation, and uh, ultimately recession. I mean, it gets really ugly. So, uh, and, and being that they now have, what, about 1,300 items other than just steel that are under this, uh, this tariff. Um, so this makes it uh, difficult also for uh, the, the Walmarts and uh, uh, the common everyday person going out to buy goods and services for their own personal use. Yeah. So that's, um, uh, the
1: other the other items that you make reference to are uh, are not imp- are, there's no duty imposed on them yet. That's under section 301 of the tariff act. Right. The president has said China has been violating our intellectual property rights, so I want to impose a 25% duty on 50 billion dollars worth of Chinese imports uh, to offset this damage. And, uh, you know, like, like the steel duties, you have a chance to file a, a petition to try to keep your products off the list. <clears throat> um, but here uh, China is talking about retaliating. So I think people who sell products to China uh, may pay if, if this other program gets put into place. That's notably agricultural products, uh, airplanes, and things like that that are big exports from the United States to China.
2: Yeah, so the soybean farmer and the pig farmer and the Boeing's are going to be the ones that pay the price.
1: Yes, it will hurt. Mm-hmm. It'll, it will hurt our exports. But um, ah. the, the Section Two Thirty Two duties on steel and aluminum, those are in place. What we have, uh, re- re- there's a lot of negotiations behind the scenes for these countries who have been excluded to see if they will be excluded again after May 1st when the exclusion runs out. So that's one thing going on. And as for the 301 uh, with China, we've heard that there are talks behind the scenes. Um, I think, you know, I'm not a political pundit, but I think the president uh, views a lot of these things as uh, a negotiating tool because there's been a lot of negotiations behind the scenes. Hopefully, uh, a lot of these tariffs will not go into place, and these things can get done through negotiations.
2: Well, that would be certainly a lot better than having a a global trade war, uh, especially with China, who only represents 2% of our steel imports into our country. So it's a bit of a minimalist issue.
1: You know, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, that's what they say. I read an article in the paper today that said although China says it only uh, accounts for 2%, they send a lot of their steel in through other countries and transshipment and so on. <clears throat> so the number may be higher. Uh, personally, I have, I have doubts that they would be transshipping steel. And I, the reason is I've been doing this a long time. The only time I've seen people actually go to the trouble of transshipping, which which means moving it through another country to get it to the United States, it adds tremendous amounts of freight costs, and the only reason you're yes. going to do that is is to avoid a duty, a quota, or something else. If there's nothing in place, there's no reason to transship through another country. So I think the two percent number is all we have, and that's the one we should work with,
2: yeah. Actually, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, and you're the legal beagle on this one, um, if goods were to go in, let's say, from China to Canada, and then you ship from Canada into the U.S., uh, my understanding is that uh, on your NAFTA documentation, um, you ha- it would have to be coming from Canada. If, in fact, it's coming from another country, you have to sign another document that's a certificate of origin. So in either case, unless you're now cheating that your Chinese goods are Canadian goods, uh, you, you, there's still a record somewhere of what this material
1: is. No, yeah, of course there's uh, there's bills of lading and all different kinds of things to show that it went through Canada, and you're not eligible for NAFTA, and you're not eligible eligible for the exclusion on the 232 duties. Uh, the only way to be eligible is to cheat, which is against the law, and you put yourself at risk for civil or criminal prosecution—civil penalties or criminal prosecution.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, Michael Cohn will probably agree with that. <laughs> 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 um, Tim,
0: uh, Bob, I'm just—I'm going to ask you a question. I know there's a short answer, but I'd like the the longer answer. Uh, because of what the president can do, is a tariff a tax?
1: I, I, definitely, I can't I can't see it any other way. And yes, the president, you know, when he when he was running for office, the president said, I've seen a lot of things happening in international trade uh, vis-a-vis the United States, and I don't like it, and I'm going to put a stop to it. So he's called for NAFTA to be reneg- renegotiated, and we've seen a lot of stories on that. And then he's really p- pulled up all these different statutes uh, which give the United States the ability to impose tariffs or tariff rate quotas or quotas, and he's using them one at a time to try to negotiate uh, better trade deals. We have to see if this is going to wind up in a trade war. Or are we going If we impose 25% duties on China, is China going to impose 25% duties on us? or are the parties going to talk behind the scenes and come up with a good result? Right.
0: In terms of getting an exclusion for a product, is that an easy thing to do, Bob, or difficult?
1: Um, Okay, so it depends on the program. If you're talking about the steel and aluminum duties, there is a form online that will tell you how you can get an exclusion. You basically have to identify your product, And it's a very uh, specific process. You have to identify your product. You want to identify, you want to be able to claim either it's not made in the United States or it's made in minimal quantities that satisfy the trade. And you also want to show why it's important that it needs to be imported. So hopefully it has some kind of national security benefit or something else that's crucial to United States industry and trade. I'd say about 100 exclusion petitions filed so far. And how long does that process take? They review it, and then they post it online. Domestic manufacturers have 30 days to object. The Department of Commerce says that they will, um, they will review the petition within 90 days. So you, you, you're talking about a 120-day process. We haven't seen any results yet on any of the petitions that have been filed
2: so so far we don't know if this is effective or will be or will not be effective
1: right That that's that's exactly yeah. right I mean the other thing obviously somebody can do is because this is tariff specific you want to see if your item is in fact maybe classified outside one of these named tariff provisions or you want to see if your product you can be sourced from a country, in one of these excluded countries. Or if everything else fails, you can see if there's a way to reduce your customs valuation, legally, of course, uh, to minimize the impact on you. But if you can get an exclusion, you should definitely apply for it because I think the earliest date that you will get on it is the date it's posted. So you've already lost time. And uh, you know, time continues to be lost.
2: Uh, Bob, can you do you have that information? Uh, the URL for that uh, location where the form is located?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't have it handy. I'm sorry. I'm sure okay. if you go and on who? the Department of Commerce website, you can easily okay. find it. Very good. Okay. Man, I'm have sent to send you afterwards.
2: Yeah, that would be good. Uh, but, but I'm
1: sure. You can post our it up on, on your, your website, and then your uh, listeners can can download it.
2: Right. Excellent.
0: Thank you. Uh, Bob, I'm just wondering if you know or have heard whether or not U.S. Customs is actually collecting tariffs at this point in time.
1: Definitely, the answer is is definitely. If you, if your product. Was imp- your steel or aluminum product covered by one of these tariff provisions from a country that was not excluded? Was imported after March t- on or after March 23? They are definitely collecting uh, custom duties, and people are having a hell of a time with the question of what what's the date of import because you can import something way in advance, like March 11th, and if you don't do something to make your March 11th date be your date of import, it's going to be the date of customs or release. So if they look at it or they want to inspect it or they hold it for a reason and it's not released until after March 23, you're on the hook for duties. So we have another big date coming up, and that's April 30 with this when the uh, current exclusions run out. If they're not renewed, that everything that comes in from Mexico, Canada, etc., will be hit with duties beginning May 1. So, people really should be vigilant in terms of making sure they get their goods entered before this uh, drop dead date hits.
0: Okay, so uh, we had heard difficult. on the news, we had heard on the news repeatedly that uh, no customs is not collecting any tariffs at this point. Um, And they talk about this 90-day period and the review period. So it's interesting that, in fact, uh, our thinking and what we had heard that they are collecting duties is, in fact, factual. I don't know why the mainstream media doesn't have that or the administration, but clearly it's happening.
2: That's that's Uh, primarily because the White House.
1: Right. We we have a number of. we we represent not only importers but customs brokers so we know that it's happening we have people come to us and say oh my goods were arrived on a certain day and but but they're asking me for duty and did it come in is the date of entry before or after March 23 and so so we have that problem for a number of people we had the problem with uh, we call IT shipments as well where they arrive let's say in California uh, and then they go by train across the country. What's the date of entry? Is it the date it arrives in California or the date it's released in Newark? So we're we're, we're fighting those issues. We know that duties are being imposed.
2: Lou, anything well, else we want we, to touch on this subject? Well, well, I was just uh, you know they impose these tariffs and they start collecting. At some point, I mean, could there be an outcome where this whole thing would be? Uh, shut down and re- retroactively go back to the twenty-third, where duties paid could be refunded.
1: I guess you know, in today's world, everything is possible, but I think it's really unlikely. <laughs> it's it's just unlikely. Whenever we we've, we've seen these things hit, uh, when they're you know if and when they're taken off, um, it's usually prospective. I, I I wouldn't count on anybody expecting a refund. Lessons is pretty tight when it gives... to comes to giving out
0: money yes i understand that uh, these customs duties tend to become a significant source of revenue for the government so that you're right they're unlikely to uh, give it back Uh, and i don't know how much they're going to collect before they uh, decide that this isn't working for them i think the last one that was tried under president bush went for 19 months before 200,000 job losses in the U.S. encouraged them to stop doing
1: it. Um, that's, that's exactly the problem that, that you've identified. That is exactly the problem. You know, the average duty rate, mostly steel products would have been free, but the average duty rate today is maybe 5%. So if you can imagine a 25% duty on something, it's just it's, it's shocking.
2: that's that's a good word for it Uh, Bob, thank you very much for being on the show is there any last thoughts that you would like to get out aside from your URL for our audience to uh, have perhaps access to your website
1: Uh, no, I mean all I I can say is if you have something that could be subject to this duty you owe it to yourself see if you can File a petition to get it excluded. If not, make a hard look at classification. You're allowed to legally uh, change your products to get favorable classifications. Sometimes you put two pieces of metal together in a different country. It becomes a different country of origin. There's there's, there's ways to work around the process. And because the duty rates are so high here, you can get a ruling from customs in advance before you start Undertaking any kind of serious manufacturing operations in another country.
2: That's an interesting thought. But well, thank you very much, Bob. Tim? You're welcome. It's my pleasure.
0: Thank you very much. And we've been speaking with Bob Silverman of Grunfeld, Visitario, Leibowitz, Silverman, and Kletstadt. And if you want their website address, it is gdlsk.com. Again, that's gdlsk.com, or you can check out the show at mfgtalkradio.com. Also, uh, go over and see womenandmfg.com, Women in Manufacturing. You'll find links between the two sites on our show, and all of our shows are in our library at manufacturingtalkradio.com. Thanks again for listening.
1: Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.